Chapter 30 of House, Garden, and Field by L. C. Meall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Roots and Stems of Trees A balsam poplar in my garden, having become hollow in the trunk by decay of the wood, had the top lopped off. Many vigorous shoots were sent off from the top of the stump, and after a time roots made their way down the hollow trunk to the ground. A much more perfect example of the same thing was pointed out to me by Mr. E. M. Langley in a pollard willow growing on the bank of the River Ouse at Bedford. The birch in Norway is often lopped for the sake of its foliage, which is given to cattle, or for its wood which is used for fuel, or for its sticks and withs, out of which the farmer makes upright hurdles for drying his hay. The mutilated trunk generally rots, and through the shell large twisted air roots may pass down to the ground. The famous yews at Fountain's Abbey, sole survivors of the grove which sheltered the first band of monks, also show twisted air roots, and the ash, the lime, and the alder have also been known to send down roots from the crown. In such cases an interesting fact may often be noted, which shows that nature sometimes refuses to abide by the distinctions of the textbooks. Botanists define a root by various characters, one of which is that it grows downwards. They define a stem by other characters, one of which is that it produces buds. The woody growths inside hollow trees must be called roots, for they descend towards the earth and indeed enter it, forming branched rootlets and root hairs, just like an ordinary root. But though they are undoubted roots, they are also by definition stems, for they produce buds and shoots. Uninjured aspens, poplars, elms, peaches, plums, cherries, raspberries, roses, and other woody plants, more than I care to quote, throw up stems from their roots. This has long been known. Virgil mentions the cherry, elm, and laurel, or bay tree, as sending up shoots in this way. Where trees grow on a river bank, it sometimes happens that the soil is washed away from the main roots, which then send out a profusion of leafy shoots. Willow trees are sometimes purposely bent down and their crowns buried in the earth. When a sufficient number of new roots have formed on the top of the stems, the bases are cut through and the trees inverted. They grow ever after upside down, but in full vigor. In the 18th century, what was called reverse planting was fashionable for a time, and I have seen it practiced 40 years ago. I have examined a yew tree which grew in a hollow, where it was shaded by older trees to such a degree that it was unable to ascend. It grew out horizontally, and after reaching the light, sent out many upright branches from its upper side, while from its lower side it sent out nearly as many air roots, which entered the soil at different places. Spruce firs, when prostrated by wind, often behave in the same way. The conversion of the aerial roots of tropical figs, banyan, etc., and aroids into stems is well known. The same thing may sometimes be seen in European forest trees, for example in horse chestnuts at Geisborough Abbey. Such examples as these make it clear that stems can send down roots and that roots can send up stems. Botanists are not ignorant of these facts, and careful writers point out that no absolute distinction can be drawn between leaf, stem, and root. The formation of new shoots from trunks which have been felled may be seen in almost any timber yard. It illustrates the store of available food which may be present in the wood of a tree. Elm, poplar, and willow are particularly ready to sprout after being felled. A large elm trunk will sometimes send out a multitude of young shoots, 
which overlay the old bark with a cake of new wood covering many square feet. Examples can be seen in Burley Park and many other places. End of chapter 30